In the year 63 BC, the nation of Israel came under Roman rule, which would continue to be the case for hundreds of years. The Israelites longed for freedom, and they were sure that the Messiah foretold of in scriptures would bring that freedom to them. Maybe that's why in 44 AD, when a man named Theudas came along, claiming that he would part the Jordan River, no doubt bringing to the minds of many people great prophets like Elijah and Elisha, many of the Jews surrounded him, began to follow him, until the Romans came and killed a whole bunch of them. Or maybe that's why years later, thousands of Jews surrounded an Egyptian who said that he would throw down the walls of Jerusalem and retake the city from Rome. And the Romans came and crushed that rebellion too. Or in the second century, a man named Simon Bar Kokhba, he, he successfully and temporarily did retake Jerusalem from the Romans. And the people were so glad they were excited until the Romans came and slaughtered him and over 500,000 Jews. But you see, the Israelites hailed men like these as prophets or even the Messiah because that's the type of Messiah they expected, a powerful anti-Roman leader. So when Jesus came performing miracles, healing the sick, raising the dead, multiplying bread, the people were certain that he was the Messiah who would defeat the Romans, who would return Israel to a place of prominence. And on that day that Jesus came riding into Jerusalem on a donkey for the Passover festival, the people and their patriotic zeal came out and they laid palm branches and coats in the road. They sang his praises. They hailed him as the true king of Israel. We now know that day is Palm Sunday. It's what we celebrate today. We also know that those praises soon faded away and that just days later, the people would call for the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus, he didn't turn out to be the Messiah they wanted who would overthrow Rome. The people rejected Jesus, the true Messiah. One reason for that is because they had false expectations about the Messiah. As we continue our series through the Gospel of John, by turning together this morning to John chapter 7, we will see how these false expectations were present before, during, and after Palm Sunday. We'll also see why so many people have false expectations about Jesus today. So we are in John chapter 7 this morning. I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to go ahead and turn there. John chapter 7 opened six months before the triumphal entry of Jesus on Palm Sunday. Let's begin in verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, Leave Galilee, go to Judea, so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret, since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. So right here, leading up to one of the biggest annual Jewish festivals, Jesus' half-brothers, children of both Mary and Joseph, were telling him to show himself to the world. They were saying that if, if he's the Messiah, he should act like it. Well, he should go to Jerusalem and to the temple amidst great pomp and circumstance. Uh, trumpets 
blaring, miracles, fans the whole way, the whole nine yards. You almost instinctively read their comments as mocking and sarcastic. It's obvious that it wasn't sincere. We're told why. It's because they didn't believe that he was the Messiah. Even so, they clearly thought that the Messiah would do things like this. This was, sarcasm aside, the expectation that many had for the coming Messiah. That he would come openly into the public spotlight. Let's look at verse 6. Therefore Jesus told them, My time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I'm not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he'd said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others replied, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. Not until halfway through the festival did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. All right, I want us to pause right here. Let's understand that Jesus, Jesus wasn't saying that he wouldn't attend the festival, but that he wasn't going to go the time and the way that his half-brother suggested. In other words, he wasn't going to go to this feast amidst great celebrations in the street. It wasn't time for that yet. It wasn't time for him to be publicly revealed as the Messiah. But you see, Jesus' half-brothers, like many in Israel, they didn't understand that. They had all these expectations of the Messiah because they didn't understand why he came. I mean, if the Messiah was coming to overthrow Rome, the more public, the better. That's how you gather a bunch of followers. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to save them from Rome, but to save them from their sins. In fact, when Jesus did go to Jerusalem publicly, six months later, on Palm Sunday, the people still misunderstood this. They took to the streets, and John chapter 12, verse 13, describes that Palm Sunday, saying, They took palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They were right that Jesus is the King. But they still had this false expectation about what he was there to do. Just like his half-brothers, the people were still looking for an earthly deliverer. That is what they expected. But this wasn't the only reason that they misunderstood things. Let's look at verse 15. The Jews there were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having been taught? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who chooses to do the will of God will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. Whoever speaks on their own does so to gain personal glory. But he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There's nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who's trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you all are amazed. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision... 
though actually it didn't come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a boy on the Sabbath. Now, if a boy can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing a man's whole body on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. Jesus was trying to get them to recognize that they misunderstood Scripture. The religious leaders wanted to kill Jesus because he healed a paralytic man on the Sabbath. We looked at that back in John chapter 5. Jesus had to explain that even circumcision is allowed on the Sabbath. And how much more should the healing of a person's whole body be celebrated? What we're about to find is that their misunderstanding of Scripture went far beyond, far deeper than their, their misunderstanding of the Sabbath. We're going to see this together. Look at verse 25. At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the man they're trying to kill? Well, here he is speaking publicly, and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, no one will know where he is from. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me, and you know where I am from. I'm not here on my own authority, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. At this they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd believed in him. They said, when the Messiah comes, will he perform more signs than this man? The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I'm with you for only a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. The Jews said to one another, Where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live, scattered among the Greeks, and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, You will look for me, but not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, He's the Messiah. Still, others asked, How can the Messiah come from Galilee? Does not Scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. These people were so, so confused about Jesus. I mean, they knew that he was doing miracles. After all, that's why the religious leaders wanted to kill him. But but would the Messiah actually do more miracles than Jesus? Jesus was doing tons of miracles. So then the debate was about where he was from. Some thought that the Messiah would just appear mysteriously and come on the scene. Others knew that the scriptures and prophecy said he would be born in Bethlehem, be a descendant of David. And some of their confusion came from the fact that they didn't investigate Jesus 
and how he was of the line of David, how he was born in Bethlehem. But a lot of their confusion was a result of the fact that they didn't understand what the scriptures said about the Messiah. That's the real problem the people were facing. The reason they were so confused, the reason they had such a poor understanding of the Messiah and all these false expectations about him was because they didn't understand the scriptures. They didn't understand that not only would the Messiah be born of the line of David in the town of Bethlehem to a virgin and be the rightful king, but that when he came, it was first to suffer for us. That he would teach in parables. He would heal the sick, the blind, the mute, the lame. He would bring light into the world and that he would do all these things to ultimately be despised and rejected. To be pierced for our transgressions, to be crushed for our iniquities. All these things were true of Jesus and all these things were fulfilling the scriptures. And if they knew and understood the scriptures, they would have seen that. Instead, we find that while some believed, the rest were filled with the disappointment that comes from false expectations. Months later, on Palm Sunday, prophecy was fulfilled in front of their very eyes, and they still missed it. John chapter 12, verse 14, describes it for us on that Palm Sunday, saying, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it. As it is written, do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. At first, his disciples did not understand all this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. On Palm Sunday, even his own disciples did not see the fulfillment of Zechariah chapter 9 taking place in front of them. You want to know why so many people had false expectations about the Messiah? Because they didn't understand what the scriptures said about him. They didn't understand. I want us to keep going a little bit further. Look at verse 45. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and the Pharisees who asked them, why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards replied. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Have any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No, but this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, who was one of their own number, asked, does our law condemn a man without first hearing him to find out what he's been doing? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Look into it and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. Now finally, we come to the religious leaders. If anyone should have recognized the Messiah when he came, surely it would be the students of the scripture. Like the half-brothers of Jesus, many of these leaders, they didn't believe. Like many of the people, they misunderstood why Jesus came. They misunderstood what the scriptures said. But more than that, they didn't get what they wanted with the Messiah. See, some people believed in Jesus, even though he wasn't what they expected. But a lot of other people, like the Pharisees, many of the Pharisees, they, they couldn't let go of those expectations. Whether or not they were expecting a, a political Savior, they clearly, they clearly had created in their minds this expectation that the Messiah was going to be just like them. That the Messiah would come and he would revere not just the law, but the traditions of the Jewish elders. 
Then when he came, he would pat the Pharisees on the back, thank them for keeping all those pesky people in line until he arrived. Then they would be his trusted confidants, that they would be in his inner circle, not a bunch of ragtag people like Jesus had gathered about him. You see, Jesus wasn't what they expected, so Jesus wasn't who they wanted. They closed their eyes to the truth, and many of these leaders said, no, it can't be him. They said that the people, they were too dumb and sinful to know. They weren't going to accept Jesus because he was from Galilee. And despite the fact that the Jews held that Jonah and many other prophets came from Galilee, it didn't matter to them. All that mattered was their own opinion. So six months later, on Palm Sunday, when the multitudes of people shouted praise to Jesus, the Pharisees wouldn't be persuaded. Because they had already written Jesus off as a false prophet. John chapter 12, verse 19 tells us that on Palm Sunday, the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. They rejected Jesus. Even months later, Palm Sunday, they rejected him. And days after Palm Sunday, they would convince the crowds to do the same thing and call for the crucifixion of the Lord. At the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7, like Palm Sunday six months later, the people had false expectations about the Messiah. These resulted from not understanding why Jesus came, not understanding what the scriptures said. Now some people still believed in him, but, but there were others who didn't because they didn't get what they wanted and they didn't get what they expected. And a lot of these things continue today. A lot of these things still continue. People still don't understand why Jesus came. That's why there are so many people out there trying to earn salvation through good works and church attendance and tithing. They think that they can make up for their sins without ever stopping to consider the purpose of the cross. Jesus died because we can't make up for our sins. There are people who still don't understand the Bible, so they expect a Savior who will fit their own ideals. And they say, well... Well, he, he, he wouldn't send people to hell. He's going to save everyone. He doesn't care how I choose to live my life morally. That's why you hear people say things today like, well, if Jesus is the Son of God, and if he's really loving, then he won't care how I live. Not only that, but he will accept and save me and everyone, regardless of what we do or what we believe. They disregard the holiness and justice of God. They don't understand his love, and it's because they don't know or understand the Bible. They still don't understand that Jesus died for them because we're lost in sin. They don't understand that the Bible says that salvation comes through faith in Jesus alone. They don't understand that believing in Jesus isn't about getting a Savior who fits what you want. It's about receiving the Savior that we desperately need. We live in a world that's full of false expectations about the Messiah. And believers, that has got to lead us to the question, what are we supposed to do? The answer is we're supposed to tell people the truth. We're supposed to tell people the truth about who he is, about how great his love and justice and holiness and mercy are, about how great the salvation is. It's just waiting for them. Believers, let's introduce people to the real Savior who came and suffered and died for them. The truth this morning is that the Savior who came is greater than the Savior of our false expectations. And we need to understand that. 
That the Savior who came is greater than the Savior of our false expectations. Some people will hear the truth and they'll put their faith in Him. Others will hear it and like many of the Pharisees, they'll reject Jesus because He doesn't fit what they want. We have got to share the truth with people. How can they understand unless they hear? How can we share the truth unless we understand why Jesus came and unless we understand what the Scripture says? A recent survey found that one-third of Christians don't read their Bible every day. How can we share the truth unless we're familiar with it? Believers, let's commit to reading our Bibles every single day. Another survey found that 55% of Christians haven't shared the gospel in the last six months. 55% of Christians haven't shared the gospel in the last six months. I pray that these things wouldn't be true of us here at First Baptist Church of Oxford. Because believers, we live, in, we live in a world that needs to hear the truth. So let's know him. Let's know his word. Let's find someone this week that we can reach with the truth of the gospel. If you're here with us and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, please understand that one day, you and I, all of us, we're going to stand before God. And when we stand before Him because He is just and holy, the only just and holy punishment for sin is that we will be separated from Him forever in a place called hell. We can't make up for our sins. But in His great love, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to take the penalty that you and I deserve, all the punishment, all the wrath. And after He died, Jesus was buried and three days later powerfully rose from the dead. And the Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So friend, please understand that salvation does come through faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you've never received it, you can receive it today by putting your faith in Him. He is the one that we all desperately need in our lives. Would you pray with me? If that's you, if you're joining us and Jesus Christ is not your Savior, Please understand, you don't have to go another moment of life without Him, without His forgiveness, without His salvation. Right now, no matter where you are, you can go to the Lord in prayer. You can admit to Him that you know you're a sinner, that you know He died on the cross for your sins. That you believe He didn't stay in the grave, but rose from the dead. Then by faith, you can give Him your life. He'll save you. He'll give you eternal life. He'll be with you every step of the way through this one. Father, I pray that if there is anyone joining us who has never made that decision, that today would be the day of their salvation. For those of us who have received salvation, Father, help us to understand that we live in a world full of people that just don't know why Jesus came. They don't know why He matters. They don't know what the Bible says. And that we have this awesome responsibility to share with them. I pray that we wouldn't fall into that 55% of believers who haven't been sharing their faith. Give us opportunities this week, Father, to do that. Give us a boldness to do that so that we could share this awesome truth about Jesus with others. Not so that we'd be glorified, but so that you would be glorified. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.